the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. What a day, what a day. If you were looking at Periscope, where I was uh, doing a video earlier, you would have seen it's at, by the way, it's at Eagle Ed Martin, at Eagle Ed Martin. You would have seen I was um, at the office uh, earlier today. I'm now, now, I'm now home now, but I was at the office which is just a few blocks from the U.S. Supreme Court. So there were protesters and all kinds of things going on. But I survived it all, and I'm ready to talk to you and explain what's going on and tell you what you need to know. Welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, exciting news. Next week, uh, Andrea Kay and I are going to do a special debate breakdown uh, 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 show and spend time together, which is fun to do with her. She's an amazing, fun lady. And we'll talk about that. So tune in for that on Tuesday night. That's Tuesday, the 29th of September. And... And uh, you will want to uh, be paying attention to that debate if it happens. If it happens. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Again, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Hey, two places I want to point you. Number one, go to eaglecountdown.com and see the extraordinary streaming live strategy session that I undertook with, I don't know, two dozen key leaders across the political spectrum. No, not the spectrum. Across the political uh, uh, landscape. I didn't go over to too far left. I talked to people on the right side of the issues, but some that were in policy, some in politics, some in uh, legal work, some in religious revival. Very interesting. I'll agree. Go there, eaglecountdown.com, and check it out, and check it out. Also, uh, I want to point you to proamericareport.com to sign up for the Daily Wink, What You Need to Know. Wink, What You Need to Know. What You Need to Know, the Daily Wink, and uh, you'll get it every morning, 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time, in your inbox, an email, Monday through Friday. It'll explain to you key details, key aspects, key ways to see things, and it will be what you need to know. So, All right. Today, what do you need to know today? Well, I have to tell you, I tweeted something earlier and I was sort of playing around. I was sort of playing around to see what the response was. um, And I figured, okay, let's uh, see what kind of reaction I get. And so I tweeted the following. I said, hey, um, it is, uh, you know, when will they tell us that Joe Biden has covid when will they tell us that Joe Biden has COVID? Um, and I, of course, Twitter exploded, and I think I've been shadow banned on there. But here's my point: Joe Biden can't debate, right? He's not capable of actually debating. They don't really think he's going to debate. Um, the the uh, the um, I just don't think they believe it. And so, when are they going to do something to explain it? He's getting more and more um, uneven. He's yelling at people. He's breathing heavy. That could be from the masks, but. I just got to think they're going to do something to get him out of the way. I know that's a little bit controversial to say, but I think it's just true. I think something's got to give, right? More and more, it just looks like it. And now there's polling out that Trump is surging ahead in Florida, North Carolina, all sorts of places. Um, it just doesn't look like the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the doesn't look like it's going to work out. And I don't think they're going to put him in front of a national crowd. Do you? I mean, I, I maybe. 
But seriously, what would happen if by Monday they announced, well, he's got some, he tested, he's positive for COVID, he's going to have to chill for a couple weeks? Because over the last five days, two of the days, he has totally taken the day off. Two full days with 42 days left in the campaign, or forty now 40 days. And he took t- takes two days off? Now, if you know anything about campaigns, it's kind of impossible to have that happen. Not even I've never run for president, but I've run for Congress, the House, and you just can't do that. So something's going on, and my point is simply that they're going to address it. They're going to make some way around it, and they're going to try to figure it out. And one way to do it is if they told us uh, that there was uh, that he had COVID. So wait for that. See if you find it. All right. Another thing you need to know, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg funeral, and I guess the, not funeral, it's um, the observance of her casket, and you know, the sort of, uh, they had her at the, uh, the Supreme Court. I think they took her over to the Capitol, the body in the casket. And the President of the United States came to the Supreme Court today to pay his respects. Now, this echoed some something for me because I was there in 2016 when he came uh, to St. Louis, Missouri to pay his respects to Phyllis Schlafly. And it was very moving. The president is a tall guy, maybe 6'2". His wife is tall. She's about six foot and she's always in heels. So she's really a full six foot. They make an imposing couple. She's strikingly beautiful. He's a big burly guy. When they come to pay their respects, it's got, even then he wasn't even president. It's got to kind of wait. Now he's the president of the United States. He goes to to pay his respects. There was a, there's there's been a lot of people around the Supreme Court. I should I should alert you to you know not a ton, not thousands, but hundreds, and they like to make noise. They seem to be like I don't know. They seem to be sort of uh, leftist uh, professional activists. Not not professionals, kind of um, amateur activists, but professionally embittered, and they kind of are yelling and screaming and all. So the president goes to pay his respects. Which, again, in St. Louis, he came down the center aisle in the side chapel in the St. Louis old cathedral, excuse me, new cathedral, and he stood there with his wife in a kind of reverie for about 20 seconds. At the Supreme Court, he was standing for about a minute, and the crowd of, you know, 100 people, 80 people started yelling things. And, you know, the media was showing, at least Fox News, what I was watching, showed it in real time. And you're kind of watching it, and you're saying, well, this is not, you know, this is, you know, this is the kind of thing that happens uh, and is good for us and, you know, good for the country. And all these people start yelling. It just was rude. And here's what I want to say. I've been telling you for a long time. I believe that they will look back on the history of America and they will say 1960 to 2020, or really to maybe maybe a little bit before that, 2017, 18, but Trump winning, winning was a big deal in 16, but 1960 till today was a kind of dark age of America. Every major institution that we believe in took a hit. Our churches, our military, our government, you know, our leadership in all these different places failed. The, the universities went in the tank for the far left. The Hollywood went in the tank. Instead of beating the Russians, the Soviets, and then getting the world free of communism, we sort of went in soft with China and allowed them to become dominant. So it's been a bad, bad time. And one of the institutions that's been demeaned is the institution of just, of just decorum, respect, good manners. It's just not good manners to yell at the president when he's showing respect to uh, someone in at the, after their death. It's just insane. It's just a terrible thing. It was rude. That's what I wrote. It was rude. All right. One last comment I want to tell you. The president, and, and this is what you need to know, the president has made a big deal now in the last few weeks, maybe two months, of talking about school choice. 
And he started talking about it, I believe, because he saw what many of us saw, which is that the place where there's the most systemic racism in America, if there's any, I'm not really sure there is any, but the place I would say it is is in the school teachers unions where they have systematically kept large swaths of our country in poverty that are in poverty in failing schools, a lot of them African-American. And the president's been talking about school choice, but I want to put school choice in another perspective. If you have kids, you'll know what I mean. If you don't have kids, you have to take my word for it. And But I want you to think about it. When you're a parent, you want the best for your kids. Even when you can't give it to them, even when something's wrong, your job's off, your, even if your relationship's off, you want your kids to do well. And one of the places that you, you feel like you want to get them to is a good school. And so you live in the right places if you can, you move to the right places, you go to private schools. And more and more Americans feel badly about their lives and what they're giving to their children because our schools are so, have been so bad. Now, I'm not saying it's everywhere because lots of parents, you know, do, do the best they can to get to good places. But more and more, especially because of the pandemic, people feel like, hey, I'm not in a good enough school. My kid. And that's a funny problem in people's hearts. When that happens to you, it hurts you more than a normal thing does. It's very I'm, I'm not describing it too well yet. But what I want to say is school choice, real school choice would empower parents to do thing, do something on behalf of their kids, find them the best school they could, that would make the parent feel better about himself or herself or themselves. It would change the way parents feel about their trying to get their kids to get the best chance of success. I think school choice would be a, 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 a very important way that our families would get better. And I know families are all in different forms now. You know, there's lots of divorce, there's lots of remarriage, there's lots of blended families. I'm not arguing right now how to get back just to the nuclear family. I think it is the best model, but I think it's not hard for, it's not easy for everybody to do. But what I do know is if you can get school choice and empower parents in a new way, it would have a big effect on them being able to do to feel good about their lives and their kids. It would change the family. And we need more focus in the golden age. I call it the golden age. Moving on past this dark age, the golden age, more emphasis on what's good for our families. And not just, oh, if we give a little more money there or there or there. No. How do we go and make it so that people can really succeed, do well? All right, that's what you need to know. We'll take a break. When we come back, we've got another great show. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Good to be together. We have our next guest on the program, uh, Jim Carafano. He's over at the Heritage Foundation. He's the vice president of the Catherine and Shelby Colum Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy. He's also a fellow over there. He's uh, he's one of these guys that knows national security, knows foreign policy, and, uh, and he also writes frequently. A piece I saw a week or two ago by him... Is it was on, I think, foxnews.com. I'll put it up on social media. I'll find it. Talking about the troop withdrawals by the U.S., uh, it really is showing progress in resolving the endless wars. Now, Jim, before I get to, to ask you about this, I should tell you that I wrote a little book. I put together a book, uh, my, one of my team, Jordan Henry and I, called Promises Made, Promises Kept. Top 100 Trump Promises Made, Promises Kept. And one of them was to not get, not rush into all these wars and to, just a different foreign policy. I think we've all seen that. But I, I, I this this is an interesting 
issue for people. Some people say, oh, well, he should have come into office and pulled all the troops back. And then people that sort of know how this works said, well, you can't really do that. And it's a balance. Your piece seems to say it's directionally correct to say he's he's ending these or winding them down. But is it um, is it slower, faster, different than you expected? What is what's the sort of reality here? Yeah, it's great. So I think, you know, people misinterpret when they say ending endless wars, they just think that's right. code for we're just going to pull out and leave. And that's actually yeah. not what Trump is doing. Trump's actually trying to end wars, right? And it's a difference. And I think the problem is people have become so fixated on the metric of like U.S. boots on the ground, like the, the more boots we have, the worse things are, the less boots we have, you know. And and right. that's not the the right metric. And so what he's actually trying to do is create where we've had the conflict is is create situations that are sustainable over time without necessarily the presence of U.S. troops there. And as as the president said, which is exactly right, which is exactly what we didn't get in the last administration is. You know, I was in the military for 25 years. We had a, you know, the old saying is the enemy gets a vote, right? So you, right. you just, <laughs> right. you, yeah. And so you're, you're, the amount of force you have on the ground and what you need them to do is driven by the conditions that you're facing, not by a calendar. And, mm-hmm. and I think the president has pretty much stuck to that. And he's, you know, of course he's trumpeted, hey, I'm going to have, you know, X number of troops out by election day and all that. But but that's happening not because he's, you know, obviously everybody wants to take credit for things, but there's a reason why he can do that. It's because the mm-hmm. U.S. has created the conditions that the need for U.S. troops is less. And yeah. and I, I think that just that's why he's he's able to do what he's doing without without increasing risk to the United States. Obama pulled a lot of troops out. And he created a lot of chaos in the wake. So it's not whether you're putting troops in or out. It's what are you actually accomplishing, dude? <laughs> We're talking with Jim Carafano, and I should say, should have uh, also made sure to say he's a West Point grad and did serve in the military, which is very admirable, and thank you for doing that. And also has a master's and a doctorate from Georgetown University. He comes at this uh, field from both the academic side and then having served in the military. Um, Jim, you, so the point is, there's a good way and a bad way to wind down a war, right? If you if you leave too soon, you leave a mess behind. And if you do it, you know, in other words, it does take some, uh, some uh, judgment. Here's the question. In the media covered dramatically the president kind of being in a bit of a spat with his generals but in ge- in general I, pun unintended the, this president seems to defer to the experts uh, you know when he says get this done so it, it's get rid of isis clean them out he's not saying let me show you how to do this this and he's just saying i want them gone and i i don't think we even know today the kinds of things he did to make you know, that were done to make that happen similarly in this case wind it down that's my goal i want the strategic goal is wind it down but now tell me how to do it and he's listened to them isn't that doesn't that seem you know there's gonna be some disagreements but that seems pretty consistent right yeah so there, there's a you know there, there, that's a more sophisticated way of looking at this right you, you don't just do what the generals say if lincoln had right. done what mcclellan had said we'd have lost the civil war <laughs> um you know right. there's a very very well-regarded book by a former national security by hr mcmaster's great guy it's a book called uh, about vietnam where he basically say hey um Johnson ignored the generals. But you know what? 
the generals didn't have any better idea how to fight the war in Vietnam than he did. So, right. you know, you listen to generals or ex when it's appropriate, but the, the reason why we have political and military leaders involved is, you know, generals don't always have all the right answers. And and we've seen we've seen both of the side of the president. You know, on the one hand, mm-hmm. he has absolutely challenged conventional wisdom when he said, you know, why do you guys believe this? Well, why should I believe this? This is true. And this is, you know, for example, you know, don't move the embassy to uh, Jerusalem. Right. The, the, Good the, the region will explode. You know, don't kill Soleimani. The region will explode. Uh, don't recognize the Golan Heights. So, you know, and he ignored all that because he, he asked other experts and he felt pretty comfortable that 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 maybe the orthodox answer was just the easy answer and not right. Conversely, you know, the president didn't want to get bogged down in Syria. I don't blame him. He wanted to pull the troops out. But they went back to the president and said, look, here's what we need to do. And he goes, okay, I expect that's right. Same thing with Afghanistan. He wanted to pull all the troops out, but they said, look, you can't, it doesn't make sense to do that. And, and here's how to do this in a, in a way that any, so yeah, so we have examples of both the president challenging his experts and advisors, when they didn't convince him that they had the right answers. But we also having the president listening to them when they've, they've got good ideas, and he said, okay, yeah, this makes sense to me. We need to look at this this way. Is the, it, and you know, this is a funny question, but is the, it, as a policy matter, what the Democrat Party or Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have said as a, pol- as a description of their foreign policy, insofar as they put much detail to it, is there a dramatic difference? And, and how would you describe it? In other words, there what you could say that you can see a pretty clear difference in with Obama, at least on uh, and, and Trump on uh, Iran, you know, on, on the multi on the multilateral trade deals. Right. On the on the is there a description between right now between the two camps that are that are now the presidential candidates on, on the policy side? Or is it sort of unclear? That's a really, really interesting question. Um, and, and as you know, uh, I'm not partisan. I don't belong to a political party. I work at a, right. a nonpartisan foundation. Don't have a dog in the fight. Not a Republican, not a Democrat. So when I talk about this, I don't speak from a perspective of saying this guy's right, this guy's wrong. It's just kind of my objective view of what's happening here. What you typically get is, well, we're going to have we're going to talk differently, right? We're going to engage mm-hmm. with allies, you know, and it's, it's all the, the rhetoric is going to be different. It's when you actually start to press them on the actual policies. Well, well what are you going to do differently? You know, w- w- do you want to put a lot more troops in Afghanistan? They're like, no, 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 no. Do you want to put more troops in Syria? No, I don't want to do that. Um, look, right. I don't even think. Look, they they even acknowledge in private. Look, they're not just not going to go back to the Iran deal. The Iran deal's dead. I mean, the, the Iranians have cheated so much. I mean, you just couldn't go back and you know give them a blank check and excuse everything they've done. So everything. So a lot of it is is well, our tone will be different. And you know, my response to that is, well, how much does tone matter? Right, you know, mm-hmm. right. and the answer—I don't think it matters much at all in foreign policy for real. It's what you actually do that really moves people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's—but that's one of the—that's one of the reasons why when you try to—I mean, elections. And again, this isn't your expertise. Your expertise is power of foreign policy. But when you get to a certain point in elections, it's sort of you're trying to. The voters are looking and they're they're seeing contrast. And when they see contrast that they like, they, they're moved that way. And that's one of the problems, it feels to me like, with the Biden, with Trump, you know, America first. He, he talks about, I want to end the endless wars. I don't, and he talks about a lot of stuff. As, as I think we're pointing out, he doesn't 
I don't think he rushes to judgment. There may be there may be examples, right? But uh, but even his con- even his comments on what are you know are sort of interpreted as in the tradition of the military industrial complex, you know, line. As I joke with someone, except Trump spent more money on the military than anybody since we've been in a major war. I think George W. did more. I mean, he he's not exactly cutting the budget over there. So it's he's kind of talks one way and then but but his but his policy feels like something that you recognize with Biden and the Democrats right now. You don't it's hard to recognize what it is. And I think that's a problem for voters to know the difference between those policy stands if there is one. Well, you know, here, you know, I'll say a couple of things. First of all, I mean, I think you're you're right with with Trump. You know, there's rhetoric and there's action. Both are part of kind of executive leadership with with Trump. I think you really have to look at the question of okay, what is he actually doing as opposed to what he is right. saying? And um, and and even though it's like, you know, you know, people come with this kind of a preconception. So, for example, when he rails against the military industrial complex, Eisenhower railed against the military industrial complex. But Eisenhower right. never said, I don't want a military. And I don't want defense industries. I want all that stuff. I'm just saying right. they shouldn't make foreign policy. And literally, that's right. exactly what Trump's saying. He loves the military. He loves the <laughs> right. defense industrial base. Um, he's just saying he doesn't <laughs> want them to run foreign policy, which honestly, yeah. what president does. So, I, right. you know, right. but, but I think here's the reality of this. Look, this is the way it works. In, on domestic issues, um, voters align with the candidate who aligns with their views. You like Obamacare, Obama likes Obamacare, you like Obama, right? right. On foreign policy, it's the opposite. It's they, they align with a person that they trust, and then they believe that that person's foreign policy will be the right thing. So the, the yeah. people on foreign policy, people are going to support Biden because they think, well, these guys will do the right thing, right? Um, they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not saying, well, his his you know Afghan policy is better than, than Trump's. And and, right, and I think people right. that align with Trump. And, and but, so here's the difference, though, right? And again, it's not a partisan comment; it's just reality. The president has a track record. He's run foreign policy right. for four years. And in virtually every theater, we're better off than we were four years ago. Dealing with China, challenging them. Dealing with Russia, they're not running wild. Middle East, much better than it was four years ago. North Korea hasn't been a problem for years. Iran, contained. Latin America, much better relations, actually, than we had under Obama. Uh, the, the allies um, in Asia, right. Australia, Japan, India, all stronger. Um, in the yeah. Middle East, alliances are stronger. In Europe, with, you know, with exception from grumbling in the French, Nordic countries, Baltic countries, Central European countries, Southern European countries, stronger alliances. Um, it's actually very difficult to find. Well, matter of fact, it's impossible. That's a to great find point. An area yeah. where we've actually lost ground. Terrorism, you know, much less, much less terrorism in the world today. So it's impossible to find an area of foreign policy where we've actually lost ground. Yeah, that's a hey, you, hey, the other guy hey, has you know, you, narrative. You, you. Well, you you need to write that essay. Uh, uh, we're talking with Jim Carafano. You need to write that essay because right there, that that's about that last thirty second, well, a minute and a half is about most of it persuades. Just about well, here's what you're seeing. And um, I got to run though. Unfortunately, I'm running out of time. I got to take a break. Uh, we'll be back. Thanks, Jim, very much. And we'll take a quick break and be back. Ed Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro America Report on the Answer San Diego. Thank you. 
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is a man who's gotten really famous now. His name is Father James Altman, and Father Altman uh, recorded a homily. I think it was just his, his own homily. He's, it's kind of, uh, it's not particularly, um, you know, wasn't particularly dramatic. He was just talking for a few minutes, and he's a priest of the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, and um, got a lot of attention, let's say the least. And the title is, You Cannot Be a Catholic and a Democrat, period. So welcome, Father James Altman. First of all, how are you today, sir? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. So we're at a funny moment in, in, in history, in the history of America, whether it's the church or, or politics, and people are brutal. How difficult has it been, before we get to what you said, since sure. what you this video? You must have incredible attention, and some of it positive. The, uh, the vast majority has been positive, but as always is the case, uh, the anti-message people are uh, very vigorous in their anti-message, letting me know mm-hmm. how much they hate me. Um, I guess, you know, in anything, it goes with the territory. But it's one thing to disagree uh, with someone, but it's quite mm-hmm. another to be just vile. And, and it's bad enough that you're vile to me, but, but when you start attacking this precious secretary whose brother is a bishop uh, in Chile, when mm-hmm. you attack this 70-year-old precious woman who's our DRE for like 14 years, or it's more than that, she has 14 kids. You know, it just shows, and, <laughs> and, yeah. and when you get the hate mail, it's it's not, invariably, they don't put a return address. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind yeah. of cowardly. I read it all as best I can, but uh, at least, you know, have the man, be man enough to, you know, sign your name. I, I'm man enough to yeah. say what I believe to be true. If you don't like it, well, okay, well, you know, if, if point out where what I say isn't true. That's my point. But uh, instead, I just get, well, I don't like the truth, and I hate you for saying it. That's kind of, yeah. That's well, and and uh, you're better than me. I don't. I in, in the small way I'm in public. I don't read. I don't read much that people send. I don't look at comments because it's just it's just evil. It's meant to. No matter what you how tough you are, it it, it eats at you. So, but uh, but I think you're you're in a better spot than I am. But Father James Alt. Let me back to one more one comment there. Someone sure. said to me recently they watched someone beating someone in one of these riots. They had a mask on. They were beating someone, and yeah. they said, "You know that." The person said to me, "That's demonic. It's not yeah. a, a, a dispute. It's not a crime. It's like demonic." There's parts of this where somehow you know we got black masks on and we're beating. Yeah. It's demonic. It's it's out in the open. Do you, do you feel that and see that more than ever? Well, I'd, I'd say 100% so. The evil, it's, well, <clears throat> it's godless, for starters. Right. All this rioting, looting, burning, and shooting, as I call it, what we saw where they shot two policemen yesterday, one of whom was black, down in, where was it, Memphis? This is godlessness. And right. and thus, if it's not from God, where's it from? It's from the bottles of hell. I mean, it, it genuinely is. Right. Uh, and so... Because nobody who affirms themselves in the faith of a transcendent God who teaches love uh, could possibly be God-full, it's godless. So diabolical is, is what it is. They're inspired by hatred, uh, and, and that is where is hatred from. If the origination of it is from Satan. So yeah, it's, it is yeah. diabolical. <clears throat> we always know it's we're fighting the spiritual warfare. St. Paul tells us that as well, very clearly. But, but just like we are conspirators with God, with Jesus, to bring about the light of Christ in the world, these people are conspiring with Satan, uh, whether they can articulate it or not, to bring about evil in the world. So yeah, it's, it is we're- diabolical, it's godless. 
We're talking with uh, Father James Altman. Now, Father, you, you did this nine, almost ten-minute uh, recording. It's called You yep. Cannot Be Catholic and Democrat, period. Right. Why now? Why'd you say it now, finally? Right. Well, I, I've been saying the same thing for 12 years since I've been ordained. It just oh. so happens that <laughs> okay. by, by, some God, by God's providence, somehow, it gets recorded and put together. That was, by the way, it wasn't in the Catholic Church where I said this. It was in the private area, and there's a beautiful crucifix in back, and... Uh, and I was asked to simply uh, speak uh, on on things of my own choosing, and somehow, I mean, these every four years you have this issue. Well, what right. what is the most important issue? And, and the last several popes have said, listen, all the other evils combined, it's not the seamless garment heresy. All the other evils combined do not rise up to the level of murdering our babies in the womb, chopping, pulling them apart in the womb. Nothing comes close. When you have ten thousand every Saturday, what? possible issue rises to the level of just one Saturday out of 52 per year over the past, however many it's been, 40-some years? What, 47 mm-hmm. years? What, what issue yeah. takes precedence? Zero. None. And anybody who says differently than that is a liar, and I don't care what color cassette they're wearing. There, now you know how I feel. That's why, that's why I said <laughs> what I said, because it's true. Yeah. Is the, is the at a certain point, is the um, political, has the political process broken? Well, um, I, so many people are so uninformed uh, and don't understand what's going on, don't understand, can't, under, can't understand that socialism is pure evil and, and it doesn't know a thing, don't know a thing about the last hundred years of history about the evil of socialism. So if, if you have people vigorously trying to destroy and undermine America by promoting socialism, which is another word for communism, which we, we grew up knowing was pure evil, um, I'd say there is something broken. When you can't have civil discourse, listen, we saw that in the Kavanaugh uh, confirmation. When Kamala Harris would kept, she just kept saying, excuse me, excuse me. I, I remember seeing it and I thought, you graceless, graceless. Well, yeah, I can't say it because I'm on the air. Senator, uh, Senator, no. yeah, Senator, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> graceless, absolutely graceless uh-huh. in her interruption of, of what was going on there. And I thought, listen, you can disagree. I guess that's America. But you don't have the right. right. It's like the protesters. Listen, we have a right for peaceful protest. That ends when, you are, when you're committing a, a legal offense and can be arrested for it, which is exactly what was going on in that conference room. So, yeah, it's broken because well, they promote it. They, but right. listen, by their tacit acceptance of it is the same as promoting it. So they are guilty. It's on their hands as well that they allowed that kind of nonsense to go on. Father, uh, we just have a minute left, if you can believe it. Yeah. It's time flies. Maybe I'll have you back. But um, but when you watch, uh, what happens after an election? It's not going to get better the next day. A lot of people are going to be angry. What? How do we? How do we help pass fo- move forward after any election to be kind of right. build the kingdom? Well, um, for the Catholics, we have the Holy Eucharist, which is the only solution. It is the only bomb in Gilead. It's the it is a source and summit of grace, and if we don't spend time in church, in prayer, any Christian can do this. Go to church and actually pray for the peace that God alone can offer us, the healing of the grace that he longs to give us. If you take God out of the picture, which is what they did in 63 and took, took God out of the public schools, why do we expect to see anything right. different? The only thing that's going to heal us is God and the healing grace oh. he can bring. So if we don't seek that, if, if, yeah. if that is not on that table, then, then it's not going to get better. It is going to get much worse, which, mm. I, by the way, I think is going to happen. Mm. All right, got to run, unfortunately. Father okay. James Altman, incredible. Thank you for what you're doing and for your voice, and uh, we'll be praying for you and, and keep thank, in touch, thank too. You so thank much. you. God bless you, too. Thank you. Okay, all right, thanks. Uh, it's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. 
This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. When the United States Supreme Court does their job correctly, they should bring resolution to an issue. They're supposed to interpret the Constitution to ensure that it's being applied correctly to United States citizens. Once the court issues a ruling, the matter should be settled. However, judicial activism is when a judge makes up new laws rather than interpreting the law on the books. Making up new laws only leads to more questions, not answers. America doesn't need our judiciary to create more confusion. That's what's happening in the wake of the Bostock v. Clayton County, Georgia decision. On a 6-3 to decision, the high court laughably ruled that the 1964 Civil Rights Act was meant to cover sexual orientation and gender identity in addition to race. Ignoring legislative history to make a phony ruling like this is pure judicial activism. Now the left is seizing on this opportunity to file new complaints against people of faith. The ACLU quickly filed suit against St. Joseph Medical Center in Maryland because the medical center wouldn't perform a sex reassignment surgery on a woman named Jessie Hammonds. Removing healthy reproductive organs in an elective surgery clearly violates the Catholic teachings held by St. Joseph's, but this doesn't matter to the ACLU. Using the Supreme Court's Bostick decision as a legal foothold, the ACLU wants to bring down a beloved medical institution making quality health care less accessible to the people of Baltimore. It shouldn't take a panel of constitutional law scholars to know that patients do not have the right to force doctors to perform medical procedures to which they have religious objections. The Constitution guarantees the right of doctors and nurses to freely express their religion just like everyone else. Yet the Supreme Court opened the floodgates to outlandish cases like this one, because they decided to take it upon themselves to rewrite American law in their own image. Until we can fill the courts with true conservative judges who soundly reject judicial activism, no American legal tradition is safe. We must do our part to get good judges confirmed by electing a president and senators who won't back down from this vital fight. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Can activist judges be stopped, or will they continue to overturn laws with no regard for the Constitution or the will of the people? Connect with us at phyllisschlafly.com to hear alerts on rulings made by never-elected supremacist judges and to share your viewpoint. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, great show today. Thank you for uh, tuning in. And don't forget, you go to ProAmericaReport.com and you can um, and you can check out the um, uh, the all these interviews there with a link. All right, let me get to one of the fakest of the fake stories. And, and I don't even know. Sometimes I think I shouldn't even bother engaging these fake stories because they're so dumb. Uh, but I think I need to on this case. And, and I have to say, I want to tell you something. Um, I have seen recently some people tell me... Um, that these fake stories are even more potent than people think. Um, and so, and here, here's one of them. The president yesterday in a, in a, in a, in a press conference said, he was asked, well, what would happen? Will you, will you commit to, uh, the, the, um, transition of power? Will you, will you make sure to come, you know, peaceful transition of power? And will you commit to that? And he said, we'll see what happens. Now, what he meant was, 
We'll see what happens. Right now, people are rioting. They're rioting, and they're rioting all the time. It, it may be that the uh, the people that are causing non-peaceful disturbances are not Republicans. They haven't been so far. And so the me- media immediately runs a president's point was, we'll see what happens. Is it going to be peaceful? Maybe. If Trump wins in a landslide, do you think they're going to stop rioting in the cities? No. So he's saying, we'll just wait and see. They turned this into one of these massive stories as if the president said, I'm you know, never going to leave power. And they ran across town and got to like Mitch McConnell and to uh, other senators and said, hey, what do you think? M- Mitt Romney, of course. Oh, there's no question that all the people who are sworn to support the Constitution would assure us there would be a peaceful transmission of power, including the president. Now, the good thing about that is he said... Of course, the president said that. And, and, and but the fact is, it's a constant media pounding to try to cut people, uh, uh, cut down the president's support with his people. Now, I'll tell you, Jack Posobiec, who was on our Eagle Countdown, uh, eaglecountdown.com, was, is down in, I think, Florida for a rally today. I think he was down there for the Florida rally. And he said that um that on on the one on the way down he took an uber and the uber driver said i'm a former military guy and i'm so mad at Ch- donald trump for what he said when he called the people who died in the world war 1 losers now the president didn't say that that's what the atlantic monthly generated some kind of story and the fact is he the 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 the, the reason it was done that way the reason that the Atlantic wrote that magazine had the quotes a week and a half later, out comes Cindy McCain saying, oh, my gosh, this is so offensive. I'm endorsing Donald. Uh, I'm endorsing Joe Biden. It's all engineered to do what? To drive down the edges of the ter- of the percentages of Trump's supporters, military in this case. Here's another example. Jack Posobiec again, telling us that in Pennsylvania, where he's from and has lots of sources and does a lot of his work, he said in Pennsylvania, the argument that Donald Trump wants to cut your Social Security has gotten some traction. He said, well, what do you mean? You know, he was asked, what do you mean? And he said, people say Donald Trump taking the payroll deduction, you know, the payroll cutting the uh, uh, the by executive order. He said no one will have payroll uh, deductions taken out of their out of their um, uh, paycheck. That money is supposed to go to Medicare and to Social Security. Therefore, he's cutting it. Well, first of all, it's temporary. Second of all, it's not a drop in the bucket for what's in that thing already. And it's not uh, it's not going to bankrupt the thing at all. But that's my point here is. The fake news, the ability to drive a message is so effective that it's I think it's having an impact. And more specifically, I think you're going to see if this is what the media is doing. What is it that the uh, that the uh, big tech are doing? I mean, think about think about the uh, reality of the power of big tech and what it's doing. So it's extraordinary to, to watch. It's terrifying. And here's the big, here's the problem. Here's the, here's the problem. I don't know what we can do about it. I, I don't know how to, uh, uh, you know, how to handle that. Like, I don't know exactly what you can do to try to beat it back. Um, you know, I don't, I just don't know. I don't know what, um, I don't know how it happens. I don't know what, you know, I mean, in other words, I, when we had um, one of the Rachel Brovard at our office uh, at the Eagle Countdown, I said, what can we do? And she said, well, it's probably too late this cycle. So are we going to lose an election? Is an election going to be distorted? Are people going to have less confidence in the election because of the uh, reality of what's happening on the ground? Is that what's going? Is that is that what's going to happen to us? 
it seems like it could be headed that way. It seems like it could be headed that way. It's amazing to watch. It's terrifying in some ways. And I think we all have to figure out how to change the uh, the dynamic and hope and pray, to be honest, that most people see through it. I mean, again, one of the fruits of the president pointing out how fake the fake news is and also one of the fruits of the fake news going crazy and being so out of control is that people, I think, know what's going on. I hope. I pray. We have to hope and pray because it's not clear exactly how we can stop some of this. I mean, it's, it's just not clear. All right. That's all we've got for tonight. Uh, thank you, as always, for everybody tuning in. I want to give you a quick uh, push, though, again, and tell you, hey, next Tuesday night, the 29th of September, we will be gathered, Andrea Kay and I, and we will be doing a special debate breakdown show. So you want to tune in that night. I think we're doing two hours. We'll get more details for you tomorrow and Monday. But it'll be a lot of fun. I'll be here in the swamp. She'll be out there in the beautiful San Diego, and we'll just break things down uh, and let you know what we think and what we're seeing, and I'll get you some scuttlebutt on what is happening in the ground, because there will be a lot to happen. In fact, I just noticed that uh, Joe Biden was asked what he thought about um, mental capacity, and he said, I'm not the one who said people should be shooting bleach into their veins. What? Neither is Trump. I mean, this is a crazy, this is a crazy world. These are crazy, crazy times, crazy people, crazy fake news. All right, everybody, thank you again. Thank you, Noah, our technical director. He was off for a few days, and he's always, when we're, when he's back, it's always better. He's back today. Thank you, Noah, and Joanna, for booking the show. And each of you, go to ProAmericaReport.com to sign up. Be in the loop on everything. Get our interviews. Pass them on to your friends. Please follow me on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin, and we'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you tomorrow.